Welcome to the Holden Village Podcast. Holden is a community of education, programming, and worship located in the remote wilderness of the Cascade Mountains. These snapshots provide a glimpse into the learnings taking place in our community. Let's tune in to this week's highlight. I'm Steph Williams, and I co-founded and I manage Cascade's Wolverine Project. I first heard of Holden because a friend of mine put together a ski traverse that ended here. So we, we went from the Chihuahua River up Chipmunk Creek and across Mount Maud, over the Eniac Glacier, across Copper Pass, and down to Holden, we caught the bus. So we passed through within an hour, and I never spent a night here until this project. And the other connection is that my husband is an avalanche forecaster, so he's part-time out here. And he's always, you know, sharing pictures and stories and crossing wolverine tracks. So he it was insistent that he bring a camera to Holden Village and got a wolverine within a couple of weeks from the camera that he set while he was working his forecasting gig. So that's what convinced us, along with other researchers in Washington, to set stations here. Everyone was interested um, in capturing some information about the animals here. My name is David Moskowitz, and I live in the Metau Valley uh, currently, and I'm a photographer and a biologist, and we set up the Cascades Wolverine Project to do several things, one of which was to carry on monitoring of wolverines in the North Cascades and support uh, and fill in the gaps between past and future monitoring efforts and help with the patchwork of different folks that are trying to keep track of the wolverine populations in the North Cascades. So we work with a lot of other folks that have similar projects. And then we are also working on outreach and engagement of other folks that use wolverine habitat, so backcountry recreationalists, backcountry ski community, and doing education, and, and then also community science effort to recruit observations of wolverines and wolverine tracks from folks that are out using wolverine habitat so that we can use that as another way to keep track of uh, wolverines out there. And then on a broader picture, we're using our field time to collect not just scientific information, but images and stories that are going to help tell the more kind of archetypal story of wolverines and what they mean for our time in the 21st century and what conservation looks like in the 21st century and garner support and interest for not just wolverines, which are a very important species, but the entire ecosystem they represent and to understand the challenges they face and how that relates to our own challenges as a species at this point. The wolverine, you called it an indicator? An indicator species. Yeah, so this animal, at least at the southern extent of its range, you know, here in the Cascades, lives in very rugged habitat that has to support females denning, so there has to be enough snowpack in the spring. And this is like this peninsular extension of really cold northern regions. So you can just imagine like the spine of the mountains being an extension of the cold, snowy north where wolverines really live in more abundance. So you can also imagine that as we lose snowpack in general warming climate, that snow line starts to climb up the mountains and you can have these really almost island-like populations. And as soon as you reduce that habitat into these little islands, it's hard to connect to other populations. So when a wolverine population is doing well, and we hope the population here will do better in the future, then it also means that they are somehow connected to snowy, cold places elsewhere, outside of the Cascades. 
So they indicate that both there's enough snow and that there's connectivity to other snowy places and that there's not too much development or disturbance within those large tracts of habitat. And wolverines have huge home ranges. So we're talking, you know, a minimum of 100 square miles for females who only weigh like 20 pounds to 250, 300, up the north, up to, you know, more than 500 square miles for a male's territory. So it's a little animal traveling around a really huge area. That means that there's a lot of intact habitat, an indicator of the health of a, a mountain ecosystem, at least in our case, in the Cascades. You mentioned Cascade wolverine. You said that they're not around anymore. Keith Aubrey, who is a retired Forest Service biologist, really spearheaded this work. So he was looking at genetic samples, and there's very few. So if there's anyone out there who has <laughs> a wolverine hide from the Cascades pre-1930s, we would all appreciate a sample of that hide. It's not tanned. So the animals that lived here were actually uh, just overexploited. So they were trapped for their fur, but mostly as vermin and competitors for trappers. So wolverines would take uh, fur-bearing animals off of trap lines sometimes before a trapper would get there. So they were shot, killed, poisoned, and there's, you know, they're low-density species, so not many will live in a very large area. It doesn't take that much to knock out a population. So that genetic line of wolverines, according to Keith Aubrey's work, we haven't found any sample of that genetic strain. So all of the genetics from animals that have naturally recolonized the Cascades are associated with animals from British Columbia, maybe also from the Rockies, Canadian Rockies, maybe the U.S. Rockies. So that is ongoing work, but thus far, no samples have shown the same kind of genetics that existed from animals that lived before you know, the predator control programs that effectively killed off wolverines in the 1930s. So we lost an evolutionary gem, basically. And they're recolonizing, but we could lose them again. So there's a reason to want to pay attention outside of just basic science for conservation purposes and find out, you know, how they do if they take hold. And I think it's important to know that the wolverines that are returning here are very similar to the wolverines that were here. So they were genetically different, but they didn't look drastically different. They're not like drastically different in their behavior. This is, uh, and this is actually a function of any species where part of that species might disappear because of some sort of environmental change. And then they, the whole idea of wolverines traveling and dispersing hundreds of miles is so that they can recolonize places that they disappear to. So on like a species level, this is kind of a natural function of, you know, wolverines adapting to change where they disappeared from a place and are now returning. You said last year that capacity was under 25%. Is that still true? Uh, I mean, that was just a yeah. random statistic. <laughs> this is a pretty hot topic in okay. wolverine biology. We don't really know what the carrying capacity of the Cascades is. That's a very rough guess to give people some perspective that wolverines are recovering, but they haven't fully recovered. So to say that, you've got to put a big margin on either side of 25%. So if you're really if you're really pressing a research scientist, they will say, we don't know because we don't know what prime female denning habitat is. And you have to have a habitat model that includes those parameters to really know what carrying capacity is. Mm -hmm. We still don't know. So there's still a lot of mystery around how many wolverines we could hold in the Cascades. 
but we know that we haven't fully fully recovered yet. An interesting point brought up was the visceral level reaction that you might get, perhaps not from people at Holden, but outside with the interests that are feeling threatened by conservation talk and the the looks that those people have in their threatened way of life and that that being similar to the looks you get on some of your pictures. I mean, humans are animals. We are a piece of this ecosystem and environment like everything else. And the same drivers that drive wolverines drive humans. And so we need a place to eat. We need a safe place to raise our young. There's a culture in any animal population. So you might have animals behave a certain way in one area and different in another area. It's just like humans where there's behavioral adaptations to both their history and their environment. And so when you look at the behavior of of wildlife when they feel threatened or concerned or where they have resources that they need to survive and if you deprive them of that, they'll get scared or lash out in some way. Humans are the same way. I think wolverines are great because actually there's very few people that have a very strong initial negative response to wolverines. You talk about wolves or bears, there's a broad segment of American society that immediately doesn't, doesn't like them for whatever cultural reasons or economic reasons that's the case. The wolverine's pretty blank slate. So you have a creature where you can kind of start building rapport and understanding and start generating a conversation that's not necessarily based on some sort of ingrained cultural sense of like, uh, this animal's threatening our livelihood or, or our, ourselves. So that's a great opportunity in terms of a charismatic species that can act as like an ambassador for wild places and for conservation. The point you brought up also was industry eliciting uh, an exploitive process to things and it being becoming more money-driven and that being a, an issue with the areas where wolverines inhabit. So Holden's mm-hmm. a great example, right? This place was created for mining, classic mm-hmm. extractive resource comes with all sorts of problems in terms of what it does to the environment as mm-hmm. folks here know super well. Now what we've done, and actually this has been pushed from a conservation perspective, is the idea of ecotourism and outdoor recreation, which is a, a kinder, gentler way to use wild spaces than say logging or mining, things like that. But when you start doing that on a very large and systematic scale and start pushing more and more people into wild places, that in itself will have impacts on environments. So ecotourism is not the future for us. Ecotourism, it's maybe a stepping stone from like a resource extraction-based economy to something in the future, but ultimately we need to figure out how to use and live within these environments in a way that is truly sustainable. Bringing people in from a long ways away and burning lots of fossil fuels to get here and then sending hundreds and hundreds of people into places where there's wildlife that are really sensitive to human incursions. Uh, while it's better than mining the mountain, it certainly comes with costs. And so this is something that we're just now learning and need to grapple with. And really to balance the fact that we do want people to connect with wild spaces, to have a sense of kinship and affinity for these places. And our own drive to do this project comes from our deep, intimate relationship with these mountains and our sense of association with uh, animals like wolverine. So we don't have the answer for that, but you know, we need it's a part of the conversation is that the level of you know, we just have so many human beings on this planet and 
as we have a stronger and bigger desire to connect with natural places, we need to be careful that we're doing that in a way that is respectful of the other animals that live here. When you mentioned the dens and that being like the goldmine find of wolverine biologists, has one ever been found and and what's involved in protecting that? Because you said there's like a buffer zone set up and climbers know about peregrine falcons and the climbing times that we can't go. Right. But yeah, so what, it, would, would something similar happen yeah, to, to yeah. wolverines? And this is, you know, so this was really rare. You know, we're talking about a population in the Cascades, 30 to 50 wolverines. Let's say there's 20 to 25 females. And let's say maybe there's only 20 or 15 females who are of reproductive age. And they're not going to den every year. <laughs> and maybe only every two or three years. So there's very few females on the landscape who might be denning. And they start denning around Valentine's Day or a little later. And then they're finished really around like mid-early May. So there's this brief window when females, not that many, are somewhere out there in the mountains digging deep dens, having kits, and then trying to bring these, rear these kits until they can live on their own. This is like a hole that might be the size of a basketball in the snow. <laughs> and the indication that it might be a wolverine den would be tracks going in and out of that hole. So if you're out on the landscape and you see wolverine tracks entering and exiting a small hole in the snow, that is a sensitive area. And it's also one that we really are curious about because there's only been three wolverine dens found in the Cascades, at least among the research community. So, you know, a buffer zone is a concept that we don't really even know how much of a buffer they would need, but we can make a good guess on the conservative side that you wouldn't want to have mechanized recreation in that area. Anything that would cause a female, a mother, wolverine, to pick up her kits and have to move her elaborate snow den and dig a new one, costing a lot of energy, calories, and she might lose her kits. You know, these little, when they're born, they're, they're snow white with blue eyes, you know, so they blend, but pretty soon they turn brown and they could be picked off by predators if she needs to move her kits somewhere else. Yeah, the idea is like, it's both a huge score to find a wolverine den, and it's also a very uh, sensitive location that you gotta key in You could email us, you could talk to a land manager so that we can do something to ensure that she can raise her kids successfully. Well, it's been great to be here at Holden. I mean, this is one of the highlights of my winter. This is our second winter coming out here and it's a beautiful place to do field work. Just a great opportunity to kind of connect with some of the things that I love about the mountain environment, so. Yeah, this was really surprising to become so enmeshed in the community here and it's deeply satisfying. You know, I arrived as a backcountry skier and so impressed with the terrain and really changed by it. And now just digging deeper into the ecosystem through the lens of this wolverine. I mean, it's one of the coolest creatures in the world, in my opinion. <laughs> and to just see the excitement and appreciation of the entire community here is, uh, is very heartwarming. I'm very grateful. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to view the links in the description for more information or visit our website to find out more about the village. We hope you will make a pilgrimage to Holden. Blessings and peace to you.